Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to the second class in our series called Five Ways the Holy Spirit Unites Disciples of Christ. Last week we talked about confession, and this week we're talking about transformation. So the title of this class is The Spirit Unites Disciples Through Transformation. The Spirit unites disciples through transformation because he transforms us into ever greater, greater and greater Christ-likeness. Now, I would say, as I mentioned last week, that the area of Christian life and our community Christian life that's been damaged the most by the lockdown is the depth of our relationships. And how are we going to find the strength that we need to deepen our relationships again, to love one another, as Peter says, deeply from the heart? There are many things we can do, but fundamentally what will empower this depth of relationships and a really a heartfelt, strong, Christ-focused unity is the Holy Spirit. That's my uh, assertion in these classes. And by the way, these classes are inspired by an article by John Mark Hicks in this journal, the Telios Journal, a journal to promote holistic Christian spirituality. And I thoroughly recommend you subscribe to that if you're interested in deeper Bible study. It's vital that we understand what it is that truly unites us. Paul talks about this when he writes to the Ephesians in chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, urging them to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. One body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, over all, through all, and in all. This unity is visible. When we are unified, we know it, and the people that see us know it. It's something that matters to God. It certainly matters to the Apostle Paul. I think it matters to us. It certainly matters to Jesus, John 17. So how do we maintain this unity and develop this unity? I suggest that as well as last week we talked about 1 Corinthians 12, 3, that is through saying Jesus is Lord. We confess the same Jesus is Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit. That unites us. But secondly, also, it's this transformation. The Spirit unites you and I by transforming us more and more into Christ-likeness. Let me explain. See, as you and I become more Christ-like, we get closer to Jesus and therefore to each other. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 where he says now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this transformation, this enjoying having an unveiled face before God, contemplating his glory, being transformed with ever-increasing glory, it comes from who? It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So our unity is improved and developed and deepened as we all become just that little bit more like Jesus. As that process goes on in your life and mine, perhaps at different rates and in different ways, but you you growing in Christ-likeness, me growing in Christ-likeness, we get more unified and the spirit is the one who enables this now let me illustrate this with a much less than perfect illustration and my old art teacher mrs gorman uh, would be horrified but nonetheless let me show you this if you're watching the video this is my best attempt to draw something that might illustrate what we're talking about here today it's a less than perfect illustration for lots of reasons but um, here we are and this is this kind of illustration is often used to talk about how important it is that for a married couple who are both christians that they prioritize um, growing and being close to Jesus, to God, um, even in a sense more than they prioritize being close to each other. Because if we're closer and closer to God personally, then our marriage will be, will be closer to one another. That's the point. But I think this also applies to communities of Christians. 
So if we've got Jesus at the top here, we want to become more and more like him. Not because it's a demand, but because it's an opportunity. Who wouldn't want, wouldn't want to be more like Jesus? So I've got myself down here, and I've got my friend Obi over here. So let's imagine that Obi and I wants to be more unified. We want to have a deeper relationship. What can we do to have a deeper relationship? Now there are some things we can do. We can talk. We can pray together. We can hang out together. We can do projects together. We can all kinds of things we can do. But what is it fundamentally that would help Obi and I to be more and more united? Well, I would suggest that one of the ways is to allow this for me to allow the Spirit to transform me into Christ-likeness, and for Obi to allow the Spirit to transform him into more and more Christ-likeness. And as we grow, I've got the red line here because that's the Spirit's fire, you see, because the Spirit is a fire. So we have the Spirit's fire helping us to grow into Christ-likeness. And as we become more like Christ and closer to Christ, what happens to the distance between us? It gets shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Maybe we don't get quite there in this life, but the distance between Obi and I or any other brother or sister in Christ and I gets less and less as we become more and more Christ-like. Now, this has its limitations as an illustration, but I hope it might it might provoke us and help us to think a bit about the significance of the way in which growing in Christ helps our depth and unity in our local Christian communities. So we have unveiled faces, Paul says. The veiled life is the old covenant life, a life where there is no freedom, because he says we have freedom, because under the old covenant there wasn't this kind of freedom. Under the old covenant, we're stuck. There's no growth, no transformation. We have unveiled faces under the new covenant with Christ, with the Spirit. And therefore, we have freedom. We have direct access to God. We have a personal and collective connection with God. And therefore, we have transformation. Freedom in Christ, if it means anything, means transformation into Christ-likeness. And if we have this connection with Jesus, it's a bit like Paul is saying, since you have this connection, it's like you cannot not be transformed. This is the normal state for a Christian, is to grow in Christ-likeness. All of that done by the love and power of the Spirit, and done not only for the individual, but done for the the collective, the ecclesia, the gathered disciples, because this is written not only this is not written to individuals, really, Second Corinthians, is written to a congregation. And so Paul is saying, certainly to the individual, you're growing in Christ likeness, but isn't he also saying to the body, to the church in Corinth, you are being transformed collectively together? Let me read for you from the Bible Speaks Today comments on this passage. It says, It is the triumph of the grace and power of God, reproducing through the Spirit the beauty of Christ in lives which are outwardly decaying and disintegrating through their connection with the world which is passing away. Only the grace of God is kind enough and the power of God strong enough to achieve this transformation in our broken and darkened lives. The grace of God is kind enough, the power of God is strong enough to achieve this transformation. And it's the power of the Spirit that does that. And that's one of the ways we get more and more unified and deep in our relationships. And so the result is, what's the result of all this practically in our lives? The result is, well, perhaps we should go to First Thessalonians chapter 4, actually, for, for this to talk about the result. In First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3, uh, Paul writes here, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, made more holy, and really made more Christ-like sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality so that so that as we grow in Christ like Christ likeness 
our attraction to sin has changed and our indulgence in sin has changed. So avoiding immorality, learn to control your own body a way that's holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who don't know God in this matter. No one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you, warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life, Christ-like life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives us his Holy Spirit. So Paul is saying here the key to this transformed life, to live differently to the pagans, to everybody else, is the Spirit. It's not just that we have a different moral code, a different set of ethics, we have a list of things to obey or things to avoid. It's much more than that. It's because we've been given the Spirit and helping us to be sanctified, to become more holy, more like Jesus Christ. And this is what transforms us, but it's also what transforms us as communities, as family groups, as small groups, as locations, as Sunday service groups. You and I are sanctified by the Spirit. We live differently because we have the Spirit, not because we share the same values or have the same church standards. And what does that produce? It produces fruit, fruit that is visible. You remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, talking about the false prophets, that they produce bad fruit. You can tell who they are by their fruit. Uh, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. This is a, an encouraging but also a challenging passage because we can bear good fruits, but it's also something for us to be uh, aware of in our own lives. Are we bearing good fruit? And are we as a church or congregation, wherever we are, are, we bearing good fruit? Well, if we are not bearing good fruit, we're not in touch with the Spirit's work in our lives. So the fruit we're talking about here is not only personal, but congregational. Let's think about our unity and the death of our love for one another. If those things are real, and we're living by the Spirit, then our depth will be growing, and our fruit will be showing, and God will be glorified, and people will notice. So this is very important, that we allow the Spirit to transform us personally and collectively. Fruit is an indication of whether we're holding to correct doctrine in a way. It's not about a set of beliefs as such. Unity is much more about that Spirit-filled closeness to one another. True for us personally, true for congregations. As Hicks says in his article, sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit who indwells, empowers, and gifts us for the new life in Christ. Transformation is the goal of God's agenda. God's agenda is more and more, more Christ-like people. His agenda is a, it's a Christ-likeness project. That's what he's doing in our congregations and in our lives by the power of the Spirit. We're transformed by the presence of the indwelling spirit. The fruit of transformation is evidence that God is with us and in us. And when we bring God's spirit into communion with each other consciously, it enhances the spirit's power to transform us personally and collectively. Having this same spiritual goal, I want to be more Christ-like and we want to help each other with this, having that same spiritual goal and the same experience of the spirit's power and, and work in us unites us in a way that simply having a common material goal never could now what's this effect what's the effect this has on us now let me be honest um sometimes when the spirit is working to transform me i find it rather disturbing and uncomfortable when you look at the work of the holy spirit in the early church if you look through the book of acts you find that the church grew numerically and i would say spiritually it did grow and it grew a lot but it grew through being disturbed by the Spirit, either by what the Spirit did or allowed. And this is the way that we grow. And the lockdown has been disturbing. Coming out of lockdown, 
is very disturbing. And there's lots of things going on in our lives personally and collectively as a congregation that are disturbing. But the goal of this, and not all those disturbing things are good, but the goal of what God is allowing and causing is to help us to grow personally and collectively. If we've got our spiritual head on, we will allow the spirit and cooperate with the spirit in doing this. But it's, it is uncomfortable. It's a bit like if you've ever sold a house. Uh, I've sold uh, only one house, actually. And, uh, but when you, know, when you sell a house, you'll know this feeling that perhaps you've got potential buyers coming around. And they, they, they come around and they look through the rooms of the house and they walk in here and they walk in there. And sometimes they're quite discreet about their plans for the future, but sometimes they're not. And you can overhear them saying, oh, I'd knock that wall down. Oh, I'll t- I'd take that fireplace out. Oh, I'd refloor this. Oh, we'd knock this, you know, we put an extension there. Oh, I don't like the color in this room. We would change the wallpaper or the, the paint. And as you're, as you're there, I don't know about you, but I used to feel, I was really uncomfortable. Like, no, don't touch my, my home. It's my home. Don't, don't touch it. Don't change it. But I had to realize that ownership is changing. And the new owners have the right to do what they believe is best. And when I said Jesus is Lord, and you said Jesus is Lord, and when we let the Spirit in, we're saying, change of ownership. Okay, Holy Spirit, you do what you like. I, don't, may, I don't, may not like it all as you rearrange furniture and walls and roofs and colors. And, but I have to trust that you know best. You know best what's, what's best for the house of my heart, however we illustrate that. You, you know what's best. I want to cooperate so that what's best can come to fruition and it can be to your glory, God, and it can bear fruit. And this is the goal. This is the goal for us personally and collectively. So what might this mean for our congregational communities, this whole point about transformation? Well, I suggest this, that perhaps we might want to dare to talk to each other about what we see the Spirit doing or trying to do in us and one another on a personal level and collectively. What is the Spirit doing? Perhaps we could have some spiritual conversations along the line of, I see the Spirit doing this in you. Do you see it? Or what can you see the Spirit doing in me or trying to do in me? And what ways do you think the Spirit might be trying to transform me more into Christ-likeness? These kind of conversations could be very unifying and very uh, and helping our depth. Another question you might ask uh, another person in your group is, how can I support the work of the Spirit in you? If you know what the Spirit you think is doing, then how can I support that? How can I be of help to you? Perhaps a question for a congregation to ask is, what is the Spirit doing in this congregation right now? How is he trying to get our attention? In what way is the Spirit growing us to produce which fruits as a congregation? I know in the Watford congregation, um, coming out of lockdown, we now have a larger group. We've got more people. We've got a very much more diverse group in age and cultures and all kinds of things. We've got a greater geographical spread than we had uh, 18 months ago. We've got more teens, uh, four or five of them now. We've got more preteens, seven of them. And therefore, we need more people to take more responsibility as things get bigger. We need more initiative to build and deepen our relationships. And it starts with me, obviously. But all of us need to pay heed to the Spirit, to what the Spirit has given us, the opportunities He's giving us to grow and live Christ-like fruits. And I'm proud of, I'm very proud of how many in the congregation have embraced this and taken on extra responsibility and, and seen that the Spirit is growing us. And I wonder in your congregation, what are your challenges and what are your opportunities to grow that the Spirit is giving you?
What about your group? So there's a question for discussion to finish off. You can take this class and discuss it any way you wish. Here are some suggestions. You might want to discuss in what way does it help your unity with your fellow believers and your congregation to know that you are being transformed. You, singular, you, plural. You are all being transformed by the Spirit towards greater Christ-likeness. That, that direction, that now that you know about that direction, how does that affect your unity? How does that affect your closeness? What helps your transformation into Christ-likeness by the Spirit? What helps you? What helps your group? What's your part in supporting others as they journey into greater Christ-likeness by the Spirit? What's your part personally and what's your part collectively? Summarising, the Spirit unites us by our mutual transformation into Christ-likeness. Do you agree with me? Do you agree with that point? If not, that's totally fine. You're welcome to. But what do you think the Spirit is doing? Next time, we're going to talk about liturgy, which will be a new thing for many of us, but I hope you'll find that useful. I hope this has been useful as well. And if you've got any questions, do drop me a line. Uh, of course, all the, none of these classes uh, can cover everything, and there's lots I'm leaving out. So do let me know what you think about uh, these scriptures and these points, but also about what you think will help us to grow deeper in our relationships, to love one another deeply from the heart, and in what way the Spirit helps us with that. If you've got your own thoughts, I'd be very grateful to hear from you. You can email me, malcolm at malcolmcox.org, and you can contact me via the website as well, malcolmcox.org. Till the next time, I hope you have a wonderful, spirit-filled, transformational day. Take care, and God bless.